So yesterday what we were talking about is the importance of having safeguards, right? So we have the biblical prohibitions, then we have the safeguards around the biblical prohibitions that the rabbis put in place. And then on top of that, we also have the ideas that we all know about ourselves, what it is that we need to work on and add some additional uh, safeguards so we don't uh, fall prey to whatever that seed that we have trouble with. So I promised you last night that today we were going to talk about what's the legitimacy of having additional prohibitions, right? In other words, how, do, uh, how are the thieves allowed to do it? And also, how are we allowed to add our own prohibitions? If God himself did not forbid a specific behavior, and if the sages did not see fit to forbid a certain behavior, so then why should we add on our own prohibitions on top of that? Isn't there enough things already forbidden? Well, page 93, you might question the legitimacy of allowing additional prohibitions to be introduced. And you could argue as follows. For our sages of blessed memory have said in the, in the Talmud, is it not enough what the Torah prohibits that you restrict yourself with other prohibitions? Haven't our sages of blessed memory already decreed what they saw fit in their wisdom to prohibit and safeguard. And when they regarded something as permissible, it was because they regarded it as belonging to the sphere of the permissible and not the forbidden. Why then must we create new decrees that they saw no need to enact? Furthermore, there is no limit to this. And the result will be that a person will become empty and depressed and deprived of all enjoyment in this world. And this is probably something that we've all thought of when we hear what, you know, someone's doing something that we perceive to be extreme, right? Something that we perceive to be more than is necessary. We say, hey, you're taking all the joy out of living, right? This is not a new concept. This is what he's saying. You're taking all the joy out of living. So how can he possibly advocate that there, we should take specific things that are permitted to be done and say, you know what? Given my specific set of circumstances, I do not want to engage in this behavior. And our sages of blessed memory have said in the Talmud, that in the future one will have to answer for his actions before the divine presence regarding everything that his eyes beheld and from which he refused to partake, although he was allowed to do so and was able to do so. In support of this, the sages cited a verse from scripture, whatever my eyes requested, I did not withhold from them. What the sages are saying is that God created a world. He created a beautiful world. He created a world with tremendous amounts of material enjoyment, right, and, and joys that we can derive from this world. And as long as we are permitted to enjoy, who said you're allowed to deny yourself a specific pleasure if indeed it is permitted to have that pleasure? Right? It brings to mind the story of Reb Shamshin Rafal Hirsch. When he was old, or older, he went to visit the Alps. He lived in Germany in the 1800s. He went to visit the Alps. Now, he had a very, a German Jew, uh, they are Yekis, right? Yekis are very regimented in their behavior and very organized in everything that they do. And yet, he took time off to go visit the Alps when he was elderly. And up until then, he has incredibly uh, busy and productive work schedule, right? In terms of learning, in terms of teaching, in terms of writing, right? A, a profuse uh, a writer, prolific writer. So, um... So they asked him, why are you going to see the Alps? Why now? You never took a vacation before. Now you're going to see the Alps. So he said, you know, when I get up to heaven, at the end of 120 years, God is going to say to me, Samson, did you ever go see the Alps that I created for your enjoyment, for the enjoyment of humans? I want to be able to tell God I see the Alps. I saw the Alps. Right? I enjoyed that which you created in this world. Right? 
So we do have this concept that you're supposed to enjoy this world, right? So how do we have the right to say, well, I get to it the food, therefore I'm going to abstain from food, not all food, but abstain from, like we discussed in the past, overly spiced food. I'm going to stop going on the food network for the next couple of weeks because it's not, I feel like it's not healthy for me, right? But it's permitted. So how do you have the right to do that? Food is indeed one of the enjoyments that Hashem has created. Right? The fact that not all food tastes exactly the same, not all food looks exactly the same, that's an enjoyment that we get in this world. The answer to this is that abstinence is both necessary and vital. Our sages cautioned us about this and commented. It says in the Torah, in Leviticus, you shall be holy. Kedoshim you. It means you shall separate yourselves. The word kadosh, holy or sacred, also means to be separated. The Talmud teaches us that the word for marriage in, in, um, in Judaism is kiddushin. That's the word for marriage. The Talmud says, why is that the word for marriage? And the Talmud explains, because when a woman gets married, she is separated from the rest of the world. Right? She is consecrated to a specific person, and she is separated from the rest of the world. Right? So the word kadosh means to be separated from. So when the Torah says kadoshin to you, that you shall be kadosh, you shall be holy, what the Torah is trying to teach us is we shall separate ourselves from things that we are permitted to enjoy, we have to separate ourselves from. They further said, whoever fasts voluntarily is referred to as holy. This is deduced from the case of a nazir. This is a, we're going to get into something, uh, really tomorrow we're going to get into it, but the, the concept of a nazir, has a fascinating idea that the Torah seems to talk about this person who sees bad things happening in the world because people are drinking too much. So what does he make a decision? He makes a decision to abstain from drinking wine. On the other hand, we know, right? In Psalms, we read that wine gladdens the heart of man. God created wine, right? He created that. It used in its proper way will gladden your heart. And it can bring you to a higher level of of service of God, right? As we find that on Friday night and on Saturday night, whenever you get together and you make a blessing, in the purpose of, uh, not whenever, but oftentimes when we consecrate a, a meal, we end up drinking a, a glass of wine because it puts us in a specific mindset. And yet still, the nazir makes the decision that he does not want to have any wine, right? Because he separates himself from that which is forbidden, or that which is permitted to him. Furthermore, they said, the righteous person eats for the contentment of his soul. Why does the righteous person eat? Not for the enjoyment of his body, but rather for the contentment of his soul. This refers to Chizkiyo, king of Yehuda on whose table was served no more than two litrin of vegetables, which is, you know, not a particularly enjoyable food. He also said about Rabbi Yehuda Hanashi, the Judah the prince, that when he was dying, he held up his ten fingers and said, it is well known to you, O eternal, that I have never derived any pleasure from this world, not even with my little finger. And they said, before one prays that words of Torah be absorbed in his innards, let him pray that food and drink not be absorbed there. All these statements explicitly teach us the need for abstinence and its compulsory nature. Okay? So, on the one hand, he's now making his case based on many, many statements of the sages. Right? He started off by asking, how do we know you're permitted to do this? He brought some statements to the sages that say, you should not abstain. Then he's bringing a whole list of, of statements of the sages saying that we should abstain from things that we are permitted to do. We should still abstain from them because they're going to help us develop our character. Now, obviously, the question is going to be, how do you deal with, how do you reconcile these two schools of thought? Where on the one hand it says abstain, and that will make you holier. On the other hand it says don't abstain, because if it's permitted to do so, you have to enjoy it. And as the story of Rav Shamshin Falhurst teaches us, 
something that God created, you're supposed to enjoy it in moderation. So tomorrow night, we will continue and we'll explain how do you reconcile these two different schools of thought to actually make them uh, coincide nicely. Take care, everyone. Be well. Good night.